Hey there, audio listener, Michael here. Travis and I needed to interrupt our regularly scheduled episode because, well, life stuff got in the way. And unfortunately, this week, we could not find time in our busy schedules to actually sit down and record an entire episode. So uh, instead of putting together a half-hearted effort for you guys, we actually thought it was going to be a fun idea to fire up the old Wayback Machine and pull one out of the Kaiju Weekly Archive. So for this week, what you're about to hear is the very first episode of Kaiju Weekly, where Travis and then co-host Jake covered Godzilla 2014. Don't worry, we'll be back on schedule next Wednesday with Heisei Week of Godzilla Month. So just sit back, relax, as we take a look back at the very first episode of the Kaiju Weekly Podcast. Let's roll it. everybody and welcome to the first episode of Kaiju Weekly. This is a weekly podcast where I try to introduce my co-host to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am one of your hosts, Travis, and my co-host is... Jake. My name is Jake. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not used to being prompted. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, it's going to take some getting used to. <laughs> no problem. I think I think both of us kind of understand it's, it's first pod territory. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I'd like to explain a little bit about how the uh, pod is and maybe get into a little bit about uh, what, you know, what we're going to do here, because uh, since it's our first episode, people who listen, they're not going to know what we're doing. So we're doing this podcast because um, I really like giant monster movies. I just have this weird obsession with them. It's 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 not healthy <laughs> to love movies that are this bad this much, but I just, I just love them so much. And I'm like, man, I just want to do a podcast where I can just talk about them and have somebody who's not as familiar with the movies and introduce them to these movies and maybe try to convert them into a, into a giant monster movie lover, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, somebody who is not familiar with, Kaiju movies is definitely me. My experience with them is basically limited to the Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie, um, Pacific Rim, and then the movie we're talking about today are basically, oh, and King Kong. But the, other than that, it's like, that's the limit of my knowledge. <laughs> so, okay, let's start with, uh, let's start with the Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie that, that you mentioned. Do we have to? Um, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, um, so that movie is pretty well known as not being a good movie. <laughs> and, and it doesn't even, it's not even a giant monster movie. It's just like not a good movie, period. <laughs> but the th I've been kind of going back and forth on whether we're going to actually talk about that on this podcast or not, or whether we're going to watch it for the podcast. <laughs> I feel like we kind <laughs> of have to like take the good with the bad. It's like marriage. This podcast yeah. is like a marriage to kaiju movies, both good and bad. You got to take it all. Exactly. Yeah. Because I'm like, you know, well, if I start limiting just watching the good giant monster movies, this podcast will only last maybe six months and then we won't have anything else to talk about. <laughs> right. We hit our 25th episode so, uh, and that's it, everyone. We're done. 
We covered all the good stuff. Yeah, we're done. There's only 25 good giant monster movies, and most of them are Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> right. Welcome to our Godzilla podcast. Right. Well, the thing is, there are other podcasts that talk about more specific kaiju or giant monster movies. Um, there's a, a, a really good podcast called Kaiju Cast. He's really good, and he but he focuses mostly on Godzilla and not really on a lot of other things, you know. Right. And uh, or if he focuses on anything, he's really focusing on the Japanese giant monster movies, and those are really good, and those are the ones that I love the most. But when you think about giant monster movies, they really expand out into you know more than just the Japanese wearing the big rubber suits and you know fighting each other type monster movies uh you know i mean back in the 1950s we had a lot of uh in the u.s we had a lot of giant monster movies you've got the giant gila monster you've got clash of the titans all of the uh harryhausen films are really just giant monster movies and so um you know i i kind of wanted in this podcast to talk about more than just the Japanese um, tokusatsu, which it, which just basically means practical effect movies. So all the movies that have the rubber suits, the miniature cities being destroyed, all things like that. That's what that is. And so I wanted to talk about more than just those movies. I wanted to expand it out to you know some of the American movies, some of the Korean movies, some of the British movies and just all over the world there's been a lot of giant monster movies but it's just you know japanese have done a lot more right and so i I laid out this this guideline i said any movie that has a main protagonist or antagonist that is a monster of some sort that is in its final form bigger than a human that is considered a kaiju movie even though it's not specifically from japan that's what i consider kaiju right so i think we're going to you know discuss like king kong we're going to discuss pacific rim you mentioned we're going to talk about uh everything you know just just anything that falls into that category right definitely we don't care where your giant monster comes from we want to watch the movie about it okay so for our first episode we're going to talk about the big one the main one the one everyone thinks of when they think of giant monsters King Kong. Godzilla. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. So, now, the one we're going to talk about this week is the 2014. Um, yeah, that's another thing about this pod, is I wanted to make sure that it was... Uh, if we talk about movies that are, like, a year old, or, like, ones that are real big ones that people might want to see at some point... Um, I'm going to, we'll, we'll do a like spoiler, non-spoiler section, but most of the movies we're going to talk about on this podcast are like 50 years old. For sure. I know, I know we talked a little bit about, um, doing movies that are coming to theater soon. Right. Such as Rampage. And then I think there's supposed to be a Godzilla movie this year. Maybe it's next year. I think it's next year. Or, oh yeah. The Pacific Rim movie this year. Right. Yeah. And stuff like that. We will probably cover it. But it'll definitely be split up to definitive spoiler or non-spoilers and spoilers for those, like like you had mentioned. Right. So, oh, since you brought it up, we're gonna we're gonna diverge here on our first episode. We're already off the rails. So, uh, 
<laughs> since you brought it surprise, up. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah, no. What, well, what else is a podcast for other than to just go off the rails and talk about whatever? <laughs> but since you brought it up, I want to ask you, what did you think of the Rampage trailer? Um, it looks pretty bonkers, I think. It looks fun in a way, it's kind of like, um, let me think of the words for it. It's fun in a way that Transformers is kind of fun sometimes. It doesn't look as offensive as Transformers is, <laughs> but it looks like fun in the type of way where you just kind of flip your brain off, jump in, and you're watching The Rock with a giant gorilla. Right. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I don't think it's going to be like the best movie in the world. But I think it'll be entertaining enough throughout. Definitely. I Hopefully. I watched it and I was like, man, they're really doing this. They're really making a movie based on that video game that you just walk around destroying <laughs> things. <laughs> like, like, there's right. no character development in that video game. There's no, like, arc or anything. There's just, you're just a monster that's destroying a city. <laughs> the funny thing about it is that in the video game, you're actually, like, a small human that grows into these giant monsters. Whereas in the um, in the movie, it looks like there's just these regular sized animals, and then they touch radiation or something, and they grow to huge uh, heights. So I think it would have been cool if they kill still had the people that turned into giant monsters, but I guess right. I don't know. I understand either way. Yeah. Well, I'm still holding out hope that Dwayne the Rock Johnson will uh, <laughs> grow gigantic and have to fight the giant uh, <laughs> crocodile or alligator or whatever it was. <laughs> That's what my, like, we can only hope. Yeah, I'm like, oh, please, can the rock grow gigantic? That would be hilarious. It would be a giant rock. It would be like a, a mountain. That's basically what it would be, a mountain. A mountain. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think no matter what quality the movie is, if the, if the rock turns into a gigantic rock uh, mountain, sorry. Yeah, mountain. I think that will make me love the movie no matter what. Blind love for the movie at that point. Right, exactly. Me too. The thing about that is, like, The Rock was in San Andreas, uh, and I didn't really enjoy San Andreas. I'm not a huge disaster movie fan. Like, I cannot, I just cannot find any entertainment value in any disaster movie. But you put a giant monster that's causing that disaster, and <laughs> I'm there. I'm like, yes, give me more. I think the thing about it is that nowadays we see so many natural disasters in the world that it's kind of depressing to watch a disaster movie. Right. There's no fun angle to it like there is with monster movies. Right, yeah. With disaster movies, it's just like, oh, this this has actually happened to people before. I'm, I'm sad now. <laughs> right. Whereas with a monster movie, nobody has been crushed by a gigantic lizard. That's never happened to anybody. I wish it had. Well... I don't wish it had, but <laughs> if it had, it would be more sad. Back on the topic of this episode, Godzilla, 2014 Godzilla. Now, I have to give a little background on my experience, and then I want to get your background on Godzilla. My experience with Godzilla as a character, I don't remember a time in my life where Godzilla wasn't a part of it. Like, I remember when I was, oh, I think I was like four or five, and I had a Godzilla toy that was like from the 70s. It was like really old and, well, relatively old. And, uh, and, uh, 
Full of lead. Right, yeah. Full of lead painting that had rubbed off by the time uh, I got it. It was like, it was worn and used and it was missing like a finger because <laughs> somebody <had> bit <laughs> off the finger or something. But I loved that toy so much. And when I was, you know, when I got a little bit older, I was watching the movies with my dad, and so we watched all of the ones from, like, the 70s and the 60s and all those in the Showa period, and they are just, I won't say fantastic, but they were so much fun as a kid watching those movies that they just made a huge impression on me. So Godzilla has just been, like, a main thing in my life. You know, some things... I'll become a fan of, and then I'll get tired of, and so, like, with really with Transformers, that's how I am. I, I go through phases. I love Transformers sometimes, and then I don't love... I'm not talking about the movies. I'm talking about the franchise in general. <laughs> right. I hate the movies, period. <laughs> <laughs> I like that first movie, but the rest of them, you can kind of toss in the bin. Yeah, well, we might get around to talking about them because, on this podcast, because, uh, you know, they are giant monsters basically so <laughs> <laughs> right they are giant aliens from outer space that come to earth and do a lot a lot of property damage yeah they wreck stuff up <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah but yeah so no matter whether i you know i fall some things i fall away from some things i stick with but godzilla is just that thing i've always loved my entire life and i've never stopped loving um, so that's my experience with the character of Godzilla. So experiencing the 1998 Godzilla movie was very, very disappointing when that came out. When it came time for a second American reboot of Godzilla, I was kind of like, oh, no, we're going to get the same thing over again. Hollywood doesn't <laughs> know what to do. So, uh, yeah, I was very, very worried about this uh, Godzilla movie, but then it came out and it was pretty good to me. And so I really enjoyed it. Now I've talked enough. I want to hear what your experience is <laughs> with, uh, I will ramble on, you know, that I will ramble. Oh no, you're fine. <laughs> so I want to hear what your experiences with Godzilla are. So basically all I know about Godzilla is from, or it's from video games and that 1998 movie. Um, the 1998 movie I kind of grew up with, and I was a huge fan of Matthew Broderick as a kid, because there's Inspector Gadget, which isn't a great film, but I still loved it when I was a kid. <laughs> then there's this Godzilla movie, which was basically Jurassic Park, but then there's a huge, gigantic dinosaur in it, yes. Mm-hmm. So I was immediately, like, super into that. Um, and then I also really liked Ferris Bueller. So the Godzilla movie <laughs> from 1998, I was super into when I was a kid. As I've grown older, I've realized the error of my ways um, and realized how not great it is. Uh, It's still fun uh, sometimes to watch it just because of how ridiculous it is. Um, And then the other Godzilla knowledge I kind of have from from video games around that era. I think there was like Godzilla, I think it's called like Destroy All Monsters or something like that. Something along those taglines. It's something about Godzilla killing monsters and it was a basically a fighting game where you fight in the city against Godzilla's enemies. So that's that's pretty much the main exposure that I have to him. And so when you mention characters like Mothra or Mecha Godzilla, I only know them on a visual basis. I don't have any idea what the deal is with them. Well, you know, that's the thing about this podcast is uh I'm glad that I have somebody who's really not 
knowledgeable about these giant monsters to be able to really like just introduce them to and uh that's why why i kind of wanted to talk about this 2014 movie first instead of jumping into one of like the older ones because this is kind of like right. an easy transition it's like you're used to american cinema and you're used to Amer the american way of doing things in movies and we're going to transition slowly into the weird the wacky the just cheesy goodness that is these giant monster movies <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and i also forgot to mention that the 2014 one was actually i did see that in theaters and i really liked it at the time i still uh well we'll get into it <laughs> as we go on but no. um but yeah i'm definitely excited to jump into because it's always been something that's been on the horizon for me for something i've wanted to get into i just uh haven't taken the time to jump into it and what better right. excuse than a podcast? <laughs> right, yeah. And I, I realized today, when I was really, like, thinking about it, I was like, this podcast is very self-indulgent of me. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to be watching all these movies that I enjoy, and we're going to be talking about them, and we're going to be going into all this stuff, and it's like, this is a very self-indulgent podcast to do so but <laughs> well you know, just just wait until i make you read a bunch of valiant comic books then i think it'll be all equal out at that point yeah yeah exactly exactly because yeah i i enjoyed the few that i've read but i haven't div, uh, dived in divin i was gonna say divin I haven't divin in. divin in that's weird yes. <laughs> godzilla <laughs> 2014 was directed by <laughs> gareth edwards now okay i want to ask you what do you think of Gareth, Gareth Edwards as a director? Because he's like he's directed he hasn't directed much. He's directed uh, his little indie film that he did, which was uh, Monsters, which we're going to talk about at some point on this podcast. Um, he also directed Godzilla, and then he directed Rogue One, the, the Star Wars Rogue One. As far as Gareth Edwards goes, I think, and a lot of people give him this credit that he does scale really well. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy a lot of the shots in this movie where you kind of see Godzilla either from the ground up or you just see him where you can kind of tell like, oh, this is how big this is supposed to be. It's not like there's some fluctuating difference in his height or his size. You know, oh, right. this is how big Godzilla is. And that kind of carries through. I haven't seen Monsters. Um, I have seen Rogue One. And uh, there are a few scenes in that where you get a good sense of scale from there's a few shots of like AT-ATs. Um, there's a few shots of like Star Destroyers. Uh, there's a right. certain scene in that, which right. I won't spoil because it's amazing. And if you haven't seen it, but that scene alone is just, I think visually he's a, he's very good. He's a very good director. Yeah, um, definitely. From, from getting performances out of actors, I'm not, not as sure. I think he does an all right job, but I think his, really his wheelhouse is the cinematography Mm -hmm. And uh, just the shot, different shots he's able to get that kind of, I, I, I like him. I like him. I generally do. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's kind of my feelings on him. What about you? How do you feel about him? Well, I, I feel a lot of the same way you do. Cause uh, I definitely think that this movie in particular had so many amazing shots and, and as a director, that's, you know, you have your cinematographer, but as a director, you're the one who's kind of guiding the ship and telling them where, you know, things are coming from, what it's going to look like, you know, they're there uh, to direct all that. So so I definitely think that 
him as a director, he's a very, very visual director, and I think that's really good for something like Godzilla and even Rogue One. I think that's really good. Um, I definitely agree with you on. I I think I think Gareth Edwards really is a lot like um, a young (laughs) George Lucas or even an old George Lucas because the thing about George Lucas everybody says is he's so good with like imagination and the visual effects and all of that. That's that's his wheelhouse. But when it comes to getting performances out of actors, he's really just not very good. (laughs) Right. I haven't heard that articulated before, but I definitely agree with it. I think that makes, that's a really good analogy between the two. Yeah, because, I mean, because you look at the prequels, and even in the the original trilogy, the best performances you get are from actors who know how to act already and can take the words that George Lucas is putting in front of them and, like, actually make sense of it or at least pretend to make sense of it. But when it comes, yeah, he just, he's not very good with actors who need that guidance. Uh, I think it was very famously, he was, uh, uh, he, when he was doing the prequels, he would tell all the actors, just do it more and more intense, more and more intense. You know, it's just like, (laughs) that's not direction. That's not, that's not what I need. I need to know what exactly you're looking for. So, you know, that, that's, love him or hate him, that's what George Lucas is good at as well. So I definitely think that Gareth Edwards could grow to be, cause he's still early in his career. Yeah, for sure. This rogue one is just what his like third movie. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did he direct the sequel to monsters? Cause I know he did the first one, but they did a sequel to that. So yeah. So he's right. still early in his career. He can definitely grow and learn from mistakes and kind of, uh, you know, learn to, have uh learn to have a feel for getting your actors to act and uh but yeah as far as visual i mean the man i think is is i I wouldn't go as far as saying a genius but he definitely knows how to make a movie look good yeah he has an eye for a cool shot right and i think it's it's incredibly impressive like even though he's not necessarily getting the performances that we want it's incredibly impressive to watch godzilla and think oh this is this dude's second fully full length feature, mm-hmm. um, and it's 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 crazy, right? As I stumble over my words. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's definitely true. Um, so you know, so that's who directed Godzilla twenty fourteen. We also have Aaron Taylor Johnson. I said unfortunately as the lead because <laughs> he was so bland. We're gonna get into that as we talk about the movie, but he was so bland. We also have Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. Brian Cranston for the short while that we had him, and Ken Watanabe. That's the like main big names that were in the film. Here's a question. Do you want fun facts first, or do you want to save them for after we talk about the plot of this movie? Um, Let's see. I think, I think I'm good for if you want to do fun facts first. That way we can kind of keep them in mind as we jump into it and kind of, yeah kind of comment on them from there. Okay, sounds good to me. So I found a few fun facts on uh, IMDb. Uh, I have had an experience where some of the fun facts on IMDb uh, are not true, <laughs> that they're made up. <laughs> they're just fun lies. Yeah, yeah, fun lies. Oh, good a good fun lie can get in their mind. <laughs> so... Uh, take some of a couple of these with a grain of salt, but I, I picked out ones that I sort of kind of knew were were fact already. 
Um, so, yeah. So, did you know that Dr. Ishiro Serizawa, that's Ken Watanabe's character, was named mm-hmm. after the original director of Godzilla in 1954? I did not know that. Also known that's... as Gojira. 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 I am I am so I'm I'm really bad at pronouncing names, so I'm really, <laughs> really worried the further we get into this with some of the Japanese names and the Korean names, even probably the British names, I'll end up screwing up at one point oh, or another. So that might be a fun little game for the listeners at home to pick up when Jake has just butchered someone's name. Oh yeah, you're you're not gonna be alone. I'm I'm probably gonna be right there with you because uh the only reason I know Ishuo uh, Honda is because he is pretty famous in the giant monster world because he directed the original Godzilla. That was his movie. So I know that. So, uh, yeah, uh, Ken Watanabe's character was named after Ishiro Honda, the director of the original Gojira or Godzilla in 1954. But his last name, Serizawa, was actually named after one of the characters from Gojira. Uh, there's a character called Dr. Daisuke Sirazawa, and he's one of the main characters in the original 1954. So they kind of mashed up the two names, and that's where Ken Watanabe's character came from. Oh, that's kind of so, cool. I wonder if there's supposed to be an implied, like, oh, this guy's his descendant or something like that. That's what I'm wondering, too, because they do have, like, a very specific moment in the movie where he hands his watch uh, the pocket watch over to the general, whatever, generalissimo, uh, guy. What <laughs> you call it's him? It's Admiral right? Trigger Finger, or Trink. Oh. <laughs> Let me try to pronounce that correctly. Trigger okay. Finger. There we go. <laughs> Admiral <laughs> Trigger Finger. Perhaps Admiral I should have come finger. up with an easier name to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, if the, uh, if the made-up name is harder to say than the guy's actual name, maybe, yeah, no, no, it's all right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, he hands that pocket watch to uh, Admiral Triggerfinger, and that just kind of, like, I mean, I know the the pocket watch, like, has significance to Hiroshima, uh, because that's, you know, that's what the date on it, or the time on it, is uh, frozen, from when the bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. So I know it has that kind of significance, but I'm wondering if it has some kind of significance to the uh, doctor that was in the original Gojira. Huh, maybe. Well, I'll, I'll note that down, and maybe if it comes up again. Or I'll just completely forget about it. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I know that, that um, Dr. Sirozawa, he, that character is referenced a lot throughout the Godzilla franchise in uh, Japan, like, you know, there, you have um, Godzilla 1985, or what's called Godzilla Returns, um, it's, it, you know, he's referenced there, he's referenced in some of the other movies, so, you know, I know he is a big part of the Godzilla mythos, so maybe, maybe there was a reason to, you know, specifically, or maybe it's just a fun little thing for people who are real nerdy about this stuff, like me, to find <laughs> out and, and point it out. <laughs> It's either that or it's like a fun little like press junket thing where they're like, oh, we also renamed we named him after a character in the original Godzilla or something like that. That's the cynical right. side of it. <laughs> yeah, and that will distract you from the fact that this character doesn't do anything in this movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, okay, my second fun fact. 
Godzilla was originally planned to be preserved in a Siberian glacier in this movie. Said, but this was changed when the filmmakers saw the Man of Steel movie in 2013, and that had a similar scene of him or um, what was it, his ship or the Fortress was, of Solitude? I think it was basically the Fortress of Solitude, but they never call it the Fortress of Solitude. It was a Kryptonian ship that had crashed there, like I think it was like thousands of years ago. So it was like not even really connected to you, but hey, you can get your ghost dad from it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ghost Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Crowe, uh, Ghost Dad. Yeah, Russell Crowe, Ghost Dad. I was thinking of Bill Cosby, Ghost Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so we went in completely different directions there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, that that sounds kind of cool because uh, you know he would have been found like preserved in a Siberian glacier because we don't really see where Godzilla is prior to this movie. Right, he kind of uh, just, at one point, he just shows up and he's like, hey, I'm here, Tsunami, right. you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna swim around and just take my time, leisurely, just floating <laughs> on by. Right. I wonder if with the whole, um, him being frozen in a glacier thing, if that was gonna be like a global warming thing or something like that, or is it, if it was just like, oh, he's just frozen in ice, we capped him, we capped in America. Godzilla. Right. <laughs> Captain Godzilla. Oh, yes. Yes. I want an anime right now. Captain Godzilla. He has like a giant shield, even though he's like a, a like giant monster. He doesn't need a shield, but he has one anyway. <laughs> he has all of Wakanda's um, Vibranium. All of it. It took all of it to make a shield. And, and instead of the Super Soldier Serum, it's the Super Kaiju Serum. I think it could yes. work. Yes, exactly. Well, I had a I had a, a comic book I was working on because I, I write comics, you know, sometimes. And uh, I had a comic book that I was working on that had a uh, uh, a bunch of Japanese superheroes, and one of them was um, Baby Kaiju, and he was a <laughs> little baby, kind of like a or like a toddler that could barely walk. But whenever he got angry, he would turn into a, like a giant kaiju <laughs> and destroy the city. And they like. Yeah, he's like the Hulk of the team because he's the big bruiser that will destroy things in the process of saving you. So, yeah. So, I've I've kind of thought about that before, but Captain Kaiju, Captain Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a fun fact that came from an interview with Brian Cranston. Uh, according to Cranston, Gareth Edwards was inspired by Jaws when he was filming this movie. Oh, that makes. A lot of sense, I say yeah, bitterly. It, yeah, it totally does when you actually think about it. It's like, he did, it says that he, the film does not immediately show the beast, but rather builds up to its appearance while still delivering an eerie and terrifying off-screen presence. So, uh, yeah. And it says even the, the main protagonists have the name of Brody after uh, Jaws. The main character in Jaws is Brody. Oh, right, so, right, right. Yeah, so that's, um, that's, uh, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Cranston's last name in the movie is Brody. What is uh, what is uh, Son Brody's first name? I forget. I feel like it's like a super. Oh, shoot, I had it written down at one point. Was it Ford? So that Ford? one. More, yeah, it was Ford. Ford Brody. Yeah, that's such a weird. Which is a really name. dumb name to me. Yeah, yeah it's, it's such a dumb <laughs> name. Ford Brody. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah, it's so, almost anyway. like it. It's almost like like um, 
I'm sure part of the... How am I supposed to phrase this? It's almost like somebody from outside of America was like, oh, we need a name for an American character. What should their name be? Oh, Ford Brody. It yeah. just sounds like a, like, not even stereotypical. It's just like, it's it's just weird. <laughs> it's right. Just weird. Yeah. It's like, okay, we need to come up with a, uh, with, with a um, Japanese name for our film. We'll just call him uh, Ming uh, Mitsubishi. <laughs> <laughs> right or or if you're a marvel editor we'll just call him akira yoshida yeah exactly oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so that was my it for my fun facts do you want to get into the um actual plot of this movie yeah let's dive on in the quote unquote plot because there really isn't much of a plot <laughs> the plot <laughs> Yeah, well, there's an entire Wikipedia page, you know, that describes the plot, and I'm like, there wasn't this much going on in that movie. <laughs> right. Like, I, right. I, I see, like, eight paragraphs. There's like, there is no way eight paragraphs of things happened in that movie. Because <laughs> it just seemed like... For sure. Yeah, and, and I want to be, I want to be clear, I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this movie four or five times in theaters. So I love this movie, but I am not going to hold back from pointing out its flaws. <laughs> yeah, I I really like this movie. I do. I genuinely like it. I don't I don't feel bad for owning it, and I definitely want to keep it. I think there are like it definitely suffers from Transformers syndrome, which is right. that there's more of the humans than I want out of a monster movie. Like I right. think the majority of this movie, it's probably. I'd say it's probably like an like an eighty five to ninety percent human movie, and then a little bit of monsters. It's focused right. on the monsters, but it has those human characters that it's mostly filming throughout the movie. Right, that's exactly right. I, I definitely feel that way too about the humans, um, which is weird because I mean I know a lot of godzilla fans quote unquote i don't know if they're real fans or i don't even know what real fan means but uh i know a <laughs> lot of people who claim to be godzilla fans were really upset by the fact that there was so much human things going on in the movie and i'm like okay if you're a fan of godzilla you have to have seen godzilla versus Ghidorah. You had to have seen Godzilla versus Mothra. You've probably seen Godzilla versus Destroya. And all of those movies, like, even though they're the classic Godzilla movies, they have a lot of human, like, story in them. And all of the Godzilla stuff is in the background. It is really weird. But, you know, even in Japan, some of those movies did take that same approach. They were like, oh, well, we're going to push the human drama forward and we're just going to focus on that. And every once in a while, we'll cut to these giant monsters doing stuff. Right. And I think I think if they were going for Jaws, but with a kaiju monster, it could have mm -hmm. worked. But they needed their human stuff to be more interesting for that to have worked. Unfortunately, right. most of the human stuff is like pretty boring. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's character, <laughs> me and my wife ended up calling him uh, Sergeant Whitebread because he's just so bland, <laughs> bland and boring uh -huh. yeah. that it's just like, oh, is this really our main character? Can we resurrect the dad and watch right. him some more? Yeah, I, I definitely think you're right on that. Um, I definitely, the way I feel about it is I think they, they went for that Jaws 
type story or even like some of the older um, universal monster movies where you don't really see the monster until it, you know, is right, right at the end or, you know, at the highest point of tension. But uh, I think if they had better characters than Sergeant Whitebread and <laughs> all these other ones, you know, and, and killed off the only good character that they had, it right. would have been a lot better and people would have enjoyed it more. Cause then, you know, it, it's, it's that old thing. If you're going to, if you're going to focus away from the thing that people are coming to see your movie about, you better make that thing you're going to focus on really good and worth their time. And right. I think that's where right. a lot of disappointment from this movie came is that I don't mind a Godzilla movie that doesn't, isn't wall to wall Godzilla fighting. But you have to make the rest of it interesting or else I'm just wasting my money to sit here and listen to uh, Sergeant Whitebread go on about whatever he was going on about. I, toned, I tuned him out. So. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's something and, about him having a kid or something. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So the the uh, plot breakdown starts off with uh, them in the Philippines. Right. And they do, they go Jurassic Park for a little bit, and they're like, there's an amber, oh wait, I'm sorry, not an amber, there's these two cocoons underground. <laughs> yep, yep, and uh, and they notice one is dormant, or is not hatched, or whatever, and then the other one has hatched. Now I have, I have a question about the biology of these monsters, because... That egg did not look very big. Right. And then later on in the movie, you see that all of the little round things on that egg sack is an individual egg with a monster inside it. So if this one cracked open and that monster and the trail it leaves behind is like humongous. So... How how does this work with you? I don't understand the biology of these monsters. <laughs> I, you don't have to understand the biology, but it is just something that stuck with me. It's like, how does this even work? What is going on with these? <laughs> right. I don't understand. Yeah. Why this. would one? Why would the male wake up first to go all the way to Japan to eat the radiation? Why won't they wake up at the same time and go for radiation? Right. Either way. It's it doesn't make and why does the male need fifteen years worth of radiation whereas the female only really needs like one bunker's worth? It right. Doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense. Um, one thing I do think is cool about this scene is they enter into this cave and you just see a bunch of these like super old like gigantic uh, skeletons in it. Yeah. Um, which I don't know what the implication what those creatures were supposed to be, but it looks really cool. Yeah, I guess they were supposed to be like. Godzilla-like creatures that were also there. You know, there's an actual prequel comic to this movie that came out, and I never read it, so I I don't know what's going on uh, you know, <laughs> before this. But I do remember that coming out at one time that there was a it was like Godzilla Rising or something like that, and it was a it was a prequel comic to this movie. Um, so anyway, right. yeah, they they really do go Jurassic Park right off of that because they're like flying over the jungle, <laughs> and I just want to hear the dun 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 music as they're flying <laughs> over this like giant hole in the ground. 
so yeah, right. so then we cut to the the uh, to Japan where Brian Can- Cranston and uh Little white bread, because he's not a sergeant yet. Little white bread. <laughs> Little white bread. <laughs> Little white bread, but somehow more interesting than older white bread. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, he was only in the movie for like five minutes, so it's like, yeah, you were more interesting. <laughs> and <we laughs> right. left. Right. If, only, if only we could have had that same amount of time with the older one. <laughs> so, yeah, they... um. Uh, they're living in Japan. Brian Cranston's working on a nuclear power plant. And they start getting earthquakes. And so uh, he, I guess because his wife works at the power plant too. Um, so I hope she works at the power plant. Otherwise, that is a really bad decision <laughs> to send her down there into the reactor. We have this civilian on tour today. We're just going to send her out into the reactor core. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did want to bring up real quick. When you do see them in their home, uh-huh. the kid has a poster of... It looks like one of the Mutos and Godzilla fighting. And oh, it's like, wow. is Godzilla a thing in this world? Yeah, that is. And it's, that is, I, I, it's probably just foreshadowing. Right. But I don't know. It's definitely like a confusing, like, it, uh, is this a film series in this world? They also have a Lego set that wasn't out in 1999 on the right. floor. Minor thing, but I saw it. My brain saw it and I saw it. Right. <laughs> I didn't even notice the Legos. Yeah, that is kind of that would be extremely meta if there was like actual like the Japanese Godzilla movies were a thing in in their world and now they have a Godzilla that's attacking everything. <laughs> I wonder if they'd almost be viewed as like, oh my god, these films prophesied the future. We right. have to watch them and scrutinize them because this is gonna prepare us for what's coming next. Yeah. Next, we're going to have a giant flower that attacks us. <laughs> that happens in a Godzilla movie, so be prepared for that one. <laughs> the killer flower from space. I'm looking forward to it. No. Oh, oh, yeah. It is. I think it's one of my absolute favorite Godzilla movies. It's um, uh, the scientist, like, uh, genetically engineers uh, a rose with godzilla dna it doesn't go well of course because why would you do that (laughs) Um, of all the objects you could mix his dna with why a flower yeah well i guess it's better than like a pit bull but that's true or it's better than Pitbull the singer. <laughs> hey, we'll mix him with some some Godzilla DNA and see what happens. <laughs> but, <laughs> Maybe but, that's Rampage 2. It's Pitbull versus The Rock. Oh, They're both been mountained up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just he just grows gigantic. He's like, now I'm Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. That's, that's his Pitbull, monster name. He already I don't has it. much about <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. So, yeah, so he sends, uh, so Brian Cranston sends his wife down into the reactor to investigate what's going on with it, how it's, uh, being affected by these earthquakes, and then a lot of really bad stuff happens, and she gets locked down there with her team, and they get exposed to deadly radiation. They definitely, they definitely do a, um, Death of Spock scene with it. Where she basically does the live long and prosper against the glass as he watches as she dies. Yes. Oh, yeah, they do do that. Oh, my goodness. If only they had done the, the Vulcan hand sign. It's like, it's like, like she says, it's like, and always will be 
my friend. It's like, but we've been married for 15 years. We were just <laughs> friends, believe me. I know this is not the right That's time. her final act of defiance. <laughs> yeah, her, her final act is the... She friend zones him right at the yeah. end. <laughs> She's like, I, I've been meaning to tell you this for 15 years, but I really only like you as a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been going along with the charade all this right. time. <laughs> I needed a green card. <laughs> Japan sounded like a really cool place to go. I just wanted to go. Yeah, and because they're both Americans, they definitely got a green card from being married in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Anyway, we're only at the beginning of the movie. (laughs) We haven't even got. I know. (laughs) Oh no, it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) So we fast forward 15 years later in 2014, and. uh, Sergeant Whitebread is a sergeant with the now according to Wikipedia he's with the US Navy Explosive Ordnance Disposal. And is it with the Navy? Yeah, huh. that's what I was like I don't remember the Navy being the thing, but I mean yeah, it makes sense. I just I I don't know. I don't I don't know that much about the Army and Navy and Air Force, but if he was with the Navy, why would he be dropping down on in a helica- uh, helicopter? I almost said helicarrier, like it was the Avengers. <laughs> You're not dropping from a helicarrier. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that's weird. Especially since all of his gear later on in the movie kind of looks more more Army than Navy to me. But yeah. I don't know. Who knows? It really does. I, I, I mean, I guess Wikipedia. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That, that is weird, though. But uh, we are getting distracted by the littlest things in this movie. <laughs> See, I don't think I'm sorry, he really I'm sorry. was in the Navy. I think he was an Air Force <laughs> I officer. I doubt you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's getting home from a long tour uh, of duty, and, and he's coming home to... Uh, a, I, I have written down Olivia Olsen, but it's not Olivia Olsen. It's... it's, um, it's what is her name? It's Scarlet Witch Olsen. Yeah, Scarlet Witch Olsen. Scarlet Johansson. <laughs> <laughs> He's going home to Elizabeth Olsen, his wife, and his young son uh, in San Francisco. And am I crazy in thinking that the first, like, maybe five minutes or ten minutes of him interacting with his wife and son wasn't really that bad? Like, he seemed... Like, he had human emotions <laughs> in those first ten minutes. <laughs> yes, he hadn't gone full Android on us yet at that point. Right. And it was, yeah, I think it definitely worked all the stuff where he's like, oh, I'm coming back home, I'm seeing my wife for the first time in a long time, I'm seeing my kid uh, for the first time in a long time. All of that stuff worked for me. I think it's basically, it's probably once he, once he sees his dad, he just gets boring. <laughs> for some reason, maybe uh, Brian Cranston. Just sucked all of the acting energy out of him yeah. uh, to use for his own uh, designs. Yeah, so it, uh, it, yeah, he seemed, he actually seemed all right when he was with his family and interacting with his family. It's it's later that he really just goes completely bland. Right, and I'm not sure if that's like just because the script doesn't really have him do anything that's that's interesting. They don't really give him a whole lot to work with. Mm-hmm. I've seen him in other movies, and he's not like. I don't think he's as bad as as he is in this movie and those other movies. In this movie, he's like Sam Worthington level of just like just like absolutely, robot-ness, basically. Yes, yeah, he just like 
really bad. I've been watching Star Trek The Next Generation, so all I think of when I was seeing him is, uh, <laughs> is Data. <laughs> just like, <laughs> right, right. so, so robotic later on in this movie. But that first, first few minutes, I don't think it's too bad. But, uh, anyway, so after he spends time with his family he hadn't seen in a while, uh, he gets, um, interrupted in the middle of a very tender moment. Um, <laughs> which is very <laughs> aggravating. So uh, found out his dad had gotten arrested for trespassing in the quarantine zone where the meltdown had happened. And uh, so he has to go bail his dad out of jail, basically. Yeah. I was watching this uh, movie with my wife, and I think it's at this point, right before they cut to Japan, I think Elizabeth Olsen says, like, it's not the end of the world or something like that. And my wife's just pipes up and she's like, it literally is the end of the world. Yeah. Well, not uh, yet. It will be. <laughs> it will soon. be. Basically. Coming soon. The end of the world. Right. Coming soon. The next thing I remember in the movie is that he goes to the Japanese jail and they're letting people through. But the next uh, inmate that they let out, I inmate. Um, is this, like, goth Japanese kid? I yeah. just thought it, he looked funny. He was just this goth Japanese kid who ended up in jail. And you mm. can hear his parents, like, being like, ah, how could you do this, basically? Right. But I don't know. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> just, like I don't added speak... a little flavor. Yeah, exactly. I don't speak Japanese, but I know exactly what those parents are saying just by the tone. Because <laughs> it's like, it was, right. they were angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you did, kid, but you are in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so sure. yeah so they um they end up uh after uh aaron taylor johnson uh sergeant Whitebread, <laughs> uh, but, uh bust I, I say bust his dad out of prison he 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 paid his <laughs> bail and got him a, he legally <laughs> paid his bail and legally got him out of the prison <laughs> that's that's the story he'll tell his son in a few years he's like yeah I had to go to Japan and bust your granddad out of prison. Right. It's really intense. <laughs> yeah. No, you just busted him out of jail. I mean, you didn't bust him out of jail. You just paid his bail. It's no big deal. Right, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, it was so crazy. There were monsters everywhere. They were destroying the whole city. <laughs> Japan was gone. There was no Japan left, but I still managed to break your dad out of jail. My granddad out of jail. Your granddad out of jail. My dad. <laughs> <laughs> and your my granddad was also there he was a time traveler right he somehow was and still alive gets... <laughs> right the story just gets crazier from there right. i wish that was the movie that'd right. be a great movie <laughs> just i just make it like big fish where it's just a guy telling stories and just you know getting wilder and wilder <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah oh my goodness okay so they eventually then they get captured by the police and or military or whatever and brought to the old place where the meltdown happened the old uh nuclear power plant just a quick note too do you think brian cranston's hair looked kind of bad and yes. this like almost like he was wearing a wig i think he was wearing a wig at this time because i think he was I, it was a 2014 so like breaking bad had just ended or fairly recently ended or maybe it didn't even end at all uh, or not ended right. all, it's still going. No, I mean like not <laughs> ended at that point yet. Right. So it was still think, going at that time. Yeah. So I think it. I think he was still bald. So he had to wear. He had to wear a hairpiece. Right. Which and this hairpiece looks really bad yes. <laughs> to me. It did at least. Yes, but he never <laughs> it was loses elaborate. it. He never loses it in the entire movie. <laughs> 
well, the, <laughs> the 15 minutes that he's in the movie. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, so then the, the Muto is what they call him. The, the, um, I, I forget what that, what that stands for. Muto. Oh, actually, I actually, uh, have it uh, written down. Oh, okay. Okay. It is the massive, unidentified terrestrial organism. But in the same sentence that they call it a muto, they mention how it's no longer terrestrial because it can fly. Right. Yeah. So it's uh, so it's yeah. It's a. a, a I was gonna say mofo. It's a mufo. <laughs> mufo. <laughs> oh man, I wish we got a scene of that where it was just one of the characters saying, "Oh my God, look at that mofo." No, mufo. Mufo. Somebody corrects him. Mute. <laughs> <laughs> it's unidentified. It's like, whoa, dude! You can't just call people that, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like, look, that you you're just assuming things of that giant monster. You don't know him. You can't just go around using that kind of language towards him. <laughs> oh, yeah, there are children around. <laughs> yeah, there are children around this giant monster. But <laughs> um, so if this movie does anything, it's proof. Well. It proves that in this movie universe that the military is, they're not always the smartest when it comes to making decisions. We'll get into more of those decisions that the military makes later, but they're definitely just like head scratchers. Like, why would you guys do this? Right. I mean, we can talk about that now. Cause I think I thought the same thing when I was watching this, like the only thing the military does this entire movie is it does some things that fails and then tries to fix the mistake it made to begin with. <laughs> like, that's the only thing. <laughs> they they try to bomb this thing, and that doesn't work. So now the monster has extra <laughs> nuclear power to feed on. So then they go and right. try to get the the warhead so it doesn't explode in the middle of a city. So it's like, we, we screwed up, <laughs> and we're going to fix our screw-up. That's our plan right. for this movie. <laughs> we literally have a monster that feeds on radiation so what we're gonna do is we're gonna nuke them yeah we're gonna nuke them real good because <laughs> that's gonna good. work we're going to we're gonna basically overfeed them right i know there's there's an extra explanation it's not supposed to be the nuclear blast that will kill it but it's still kind of, it's real dumb yeah i do like the part where they're like oh we can at least lure it with it they can use the nukes as like bait uh -huh. that part makes sense i just wish the follow-up to that part wasn't Oh, and then we just explode the bait, and it would totally work. Right, exactly. Yeah, they, they definitely. That's the thing I love about the older, uh, or the Japanese Godzilla movies, is as the movies progress, you actually do see the military, like, trying new things to stop Godzilla. Like, he's not, they, they don't just always fire rockets at him and always come at him with tanks. Like, you do see later on, like, they're doing some really crazy things. They're building their own giant monsters to attack Godzilla and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> it is, it, it, like, they're at least getting more creative. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so, um, so yeah. Unfortunately, uh, this military, nor or Monarch, uh, hasn't had the time to develop that far in their thinking faculties. Well, they've known that Godzilla exists since 1950s, so... <laughs> I, I don't understand this idea of because like they tried it's it's like canon in the movie that they tried nuclear bombs to kill Godzilla in the 50s and it didn't work. Right. So. It, yeah. 
So, and the way they kind of brush it aside is they're like, oh, the, the nukes are way stronger now. Yeah. But still, like, they might be stronger, but how much stronger are they really? Right. We've built better nuclear weapons. That's not, that's not <laughs> something to think about either. <laughs> we, right. We don't want to think about <laughs> and that. Then, and then on the Muto side of it, they've been studying this thing for 15 years. Right. I'm sure they know, like, hey, nukes aren't going to affect these things. Right. Exactly. So, so, yeah. So I just love that the military's job is to come in, screw up, then try to fix their screw up, and then everything else is just happening around <laughs> them. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, this is when the Muto, uh, the male Muto, breaks out of its cocoon. It goes rampant. It kills Brian Cranston. R.I.P. And, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, then... It, they find out it's heading, it's left, it's heading somewhere. White bread decides, well, you know what? I just want to get back to my family. My dad's dead. There's right. a giant monster on the loose. I just want to go home. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'd definitely be like, oh, God, this has just been like the worst weekend getaway ever. I just want to go home. Right, exactly. Um, this will obviously not affect me in another country. So I'm just going to stay <laughs> in my home. <laughs> right. They do do, uh, do do, <laughs> they have like a brief scene where they bring them in and they're like, hey, here's a uh, exposition video for the audience. I mean, uh, for you to explain what's going on. And they kind of show that whole background with Godzilla, how they tried to nuke them back in the 50s right. and all that stuff. They mentioned 1954 specifically. Is that like, is that when the first Godzilla movie came out? Is that kind of like an Easter egg there or is it just? Yeah, that is an Easter egg. egg. Uh, the original Gojira um Godzilla movie came out in 1954. Sweet. I noticed something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that definitely, a lot of the things that they put in there are uh, Easter eggs to like the past of Godzilla and everything, even though they're kind of rebooting it, they still kind of like want to put those Easter eggs in there. Yeah. Then they figure out that the monster is using echolocation. But yeah, this is where we're introduced to, um, uh, the beautiful Hawaii, which we don't really get to see in its full splendor since a lot of this movie takes place at night. <laughs> and I think that's probably because of the I effects. I was just going to say that. It's like the the, the beautiful, darkened <laughs> Hawaii at right. night. You know, the, the part of Hawaii that pe everyone wants to see at nighttime. <laughs> right. Look at yeah, our marvelous yeah, moon. I thought about that too. I was like, yeah. <laughs> you won't get a moon like this on the mainland. <laughs> like, no, no. That yes, we will. That's exactly how the moon works. <laughs> right. So, so while he's uh, on on uh, Hawaii, uh, the military has found out that that's where the mu uh, the muto is going, <laughs> uh, and it has uh, captured a Russian submarine and brought it on the land so they could eat the nuclear power plant in or the nuclear power plant the nuclear. Uh, I guess engine. I think or missiles. That's that's maybe missiles. Yeah, yeah. According to Wikipedia, it just says the subs nuclear material. So it's just like <laughs> whatever is there that's right. nuclear. That's that's what it is. <laughs> and so that's happening. The Muto destroys the tram that or the train that. Uh, white bread is on with a kid <laughs> who I will probably be accused of being racist if I call him short round, but I so want to call him short round. I think that's definitely <laughs> offensive uh, for sure. 
Okay, I, I will not call the little Asian kid with a hat short round, even though that's what he reminds me of. <laughs> so I think um, what else while they uh, with the with the nuclear sub, the Russian sub, they like zero dark thirty. They send in a team of like Navy SEALs or whatever they are, and they all have guns, and it's just like you already know guns aren't going to do anything to them. Why are you bringing guns? The only thing that guns can do can, oh. is possibly set off the nuclear material. So it just seems like a really bad decision. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, there's there's a couple of scenes later on in the movie where a character will just pull out a gun and point it at one of the monsters. And it's like, what are you going <laughs> to do with that? <laughs> what, what is going through your mind? <laughs> Maybe this bullet. This last bullet I have, it's going to kill the monster. It'll be be a uh, David and Goliath. It'll just hit him at the right spot so that he dies. No. No. (laughs) Right. Um, We just got to find it's Achilles heel. we got to find the Achilles heel. Maybe it is his heel. (laughs) Just see somebody somebody (laughs) with like a little like knife, little pocket knife, jump on the back of Godzilla's foot and just stab his heel over and over again. I'm trying to hit his Achilles heel. <laughs> um, so while the Muto is running amok in uh, Hawaii, these they have this, oh, this really awesome shot of these people on the beach and uh the water just recedes and like disappears which is usually like a sign that a tsunami is coming and which i mean it really right. is it is a tsunami <laughs> that's coming right i think that's actually one of the cool there's a lot of um cool shots in this uh earlier i'm um, not cool shots but just cool it things that look cool like earlier when they were in the city that was uh quarantined mm-hmm. off it being overgrown looks super cool this shot where the water recedes and you see like all the fish on the ocean uh-huh. bed is super cool. There's definitely cool visuals, yeah. like we said before in this movie. And the thing is, um, with Gareth Edwards, like we were talking about earlier, Gareth Edwards does a good job with uh, the way he shoots this movie. And it's kind of all from low angles pointing up. And it's all, it's all from a human perspective. It's like, if you were there, right. You would not be able to see all of Godzilla at one time because he's just so massive. So they, so he like purposely only shows portions of Godzilla through most of the movie, and I think that's just really cool. And actually, the original 1954 Gojira did a similar thing. Like they always shot from low angles. They only showed bits of the monster, not a full. They eventually, at the end of the movie, did show the full monster, but for like the whole first and second act of the movie, they just had uh, low-angle shots showing it from a person's perspective. And I think that's great as a storyteller, as a director, because you're really bringing in a human emotion into this without having to actually have humans do anything by having it from the perspective of a human and looking up. And you, you as an audience member, you feel that. You're like, oh my goodness, this thing is so big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely so i sure. definitely love that and i yeah. love that when godzilla comes onto land he creates like a big tidal wave that like kills a lot of people because he doesn't care he's after the monster he's <laughs> not after any he's not trying to save anybody <laughs> um they try to paint godzilla as the good guy and i think he kind of is the good guy in this movie mm-hmm. but there's definitely a lot of death he causes 
What's right. interesting is that later on in the movie, when he goes ashore on San Francisco, uh-huh. he doesn't cause that tsunami. So I'm oh, wondering yeah. maybe if wherever he was resting, when he like exited or like did something, it caused that continental shift to do a tsunami. Maybe. That could be one reason yeah. why. Or they could have just forgotten to do a tsunami in San Francisco, too. Yeah, that that probably is more more likely. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really cool shot of him going underneath the battleship where you like you see uh, Ken Watanabe Watanabe um, he goes on the deck he goes onto the deck of the battleship because he wants to see the Godzilla I mean who wouldn't mm-hmm. and you look out and you see his like scales going past and he dives underneath the battleship and it cuts to above and you just see all the people on one side run to the other side of the battleship just to catch another glimpse of it it's really cool that's i think a lot of that type of stuff is really effective so yeah the the entire fight i mean we get to see godzilla like godzilla makes his grand entrance and we see his feet stomping across the uh airport and we see you know parts of him as he's walking on shore and then we see this just like full shot of him and he roars right at, and then starts to fight the muto but then it cuts right. away. And it yeah. cuts back to... And that's... Uh-huh, go ahead. And that's, like, the cutting away... Like, they do this, like, probably, like, two or three times in the movie where it's like, oh, these two monsters are just about to fight. They're engaging and then cut. And it goes to, like, a newscast or, like, a like a different perspective. It's not until, like, like uh, the very end until you get that full scene. One thing that is funny about the lead-up to this is that... So they're at the airport with the Muto and Godzilla. And the Muto does something, and it causes an airplane to explode. Right. But then that airplane explodes, and it explodes the one next to it, and then the one next to it explodes. Uh-huh. It's almost like it's almost like a comedy beat, just this right. domino of airplane explosions. Yeah, it's just like one after the <laughs> other of explosions. And people are running down as it's happening, like trying to get away from it, like, ah! And then you just see Godzilla's <laughs> right. big foot stomp down his like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is definitely cool to see Godzilla for that first time. That reveal is super cool. And it is that cutaway is what's so disappointing about. One of the disappointing things about it is that you don't get to linger on that fight for longer. Right. But, you know, with it being just the first, uh, ha- like first part of the movie, because this is like the first act. Um, right. I don't mind them not showing the fight because I mean, you want to save that fight for third act. So I definitely, you know, I definitely understand, you know, like we were talking about earlier how, um, he was really trying to do Jaws, just trying to do a Jaws movie. And, uh, and that, that really is a lot like Jaws. Like you get these glimpses and you get these like, you know, little moments. Now the difference is. For Jaws, it was necessity. This is not necessary right. to do it, but I mean, I still get the idea that he was going for, and I don't think that's necessarily, you know, terrible. Like, I, I know a lot of people right. have issues with it, but this is the one that doesn't bother me. Like, I, I actually don't care that he cut away to another scene for that fight. Yeah. Um, but like one of the later fights, I am kind of like, oh, no, you should have shown a little bit more. You know, don't cut away so soon on that one yeah 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 definitely it gets it gets more egregious as it as it goes on this it is nice to have that reveal and the reveal is super cool um mm-hmm. and yeah I, I i don't i don't get as angered about it as like 
as some of the fans online that I've seen right. talk about it. But, uh, but yeah. yeah. And so it kind of cuts this newscast, and we cut to um, Sergeant Whitebread's family. And the kid's watching TV, and the mom's doing the classic, like, turn the TV off, it's time to go to bed. And he's mm-hmm. like, Mom, there's stuff on TV. <laughs> right. And she... And I think it's also at this moment when, or maybe it's earlier, she gets a call from her husband, mm-hmm. but for some reason her phone is on silent mode. Like, if she thought her husband, because there's an implication that she's like, oh my god, my husband might be dead, I don't know what's happening to him, right. I'm so stressed out about it, I'm going to put my phone on silent mode. Right. Like, I don't, that, that was one part where I was like, why would you put your phone on silent mode? Exactly, because like earlier you see her sitting there and, and like trying to call over in Japan trying to find out what has happened to him and she's so worried and everything and then later on her phone's just oh I'm just gonna set my phone over here it's like no no if you're <laughs> right. worried about him you're gonna keep that phone with you <laughs> um so yeah <laughs> so after after that happens then we cut to um the they find out that the second monster or there is a second monster and that it is in Nevada. That's where they were keeping the dormant spore, and they were keeping it surrounded by nuclear waste, which just made it stronger. <laughs> so this one finally hatches and breaks through. That is a really good shot, too, of just when they're going through this darkened like area with all of this nuclear waste. They're checking, sliding the windows and just checking it, and then he slides it, and it's just this blinding light coming in and yeah, you find, that... find out it's just like because the whole room is destroyed it's just open to the air <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's a really cool that's another one of those really cool where just like oh that's so cool to see that um just because of that contrast between the two things right exactly i have it written down in my notes in fact <laughs> yeah oh I, I love that scene that is that's really good because i didn't know what what was coming i just knew something was coming and then when this bright light it's like oh is that the monster? What's going on? And then he opens the door and it's just like, it's just open air because the whole side of the mountain <laughs> is gone. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so that's good. And then that monster, the female one, is heading towards Las Vegas. And Viva Las Vegas. Yeah, Viva, La, Viva, Viva Las Vegas. Viva. Okay. They actually... <laughs> they do cut to a uh, Elvis song while it's in Las Vegas. Yeah, where it's like um, it's very on the nose because it's like you're the devil in disguise. Yeah, that one, you're the devil in disguise. Oh yes, you are. <laughs> I yeah, I I know all of yeah. the Elvis music. <laughs> My grandma loved I... Elvis. <laughs> I'm I'm slowly getting into it because of my uh, wife and father-in-law. They're huge uh, Elvis fans. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's really so. That's another great shot because it's another. It's like the same shot of that they had in that nuclear facility, and now they're having it at this hotel because they're like trying to break through the door. And when they finally get through the door, the whole room is just gone. <laughs> Right. So it's like the same shot in like maybe that's not a good thing. But it's the same shot in a, in just a few minutes apart. So I don't know. But <laughs> this is kind of kind of when it becomes more apparent that you're going to see a lot more of the reaction to the monster's destruction, right. rather than the monster actually destroying stuff. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not until that I, I, I don't, have we mentioned yet that the 
Muto's like kind of emit an EMP wave around them that oh, knocks no. out electronics. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned that. That's a that's a, a key plot point that I forgot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's it's that's okay. It's used to pretty good effect in the movie because it, there's these cool cool scenes where you see like just an area lose lights and stuff like that, and uh, the casino itself does lose. It like goes dark, and then this next second, the Muto is kind of like crashing into it right. and this muto is like a lot bigger it doesn't have the wings and we find out that it's actually the female mm-hmm. uh, muto and that the two are kind of meeting up to uh, uh yeah yeah they're... well travis i'll let your parents explain the birds in the right yeah they, well, they're, they're gonna do the monster mash <laughs> Let's just call it that. Uh, yeah, the, the horizontal monster dash. <laughs> okay. Um, oh my goodness, this is our first episode. I know we're already off the rails. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Mine's in the gutter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, okay, this brings up another question about the biology. Not not the Monster Mash stuff, but the EMP thing that you brought <laughs> up. <laughs> um, right. Why do these creatures that exist since before, like, any other animal was alive on Earth, before humans, like, before prehistoric times, why did they generate an EMP field? <laughs> Uh, that is an excellent question. I'm guessing it has something to do with the amount of radiation they're, cons- like, they put off, and it's, like, uh-huh. a reaction based on that. But, to tell you the truth, it's probably just, just cuz, just cuz we thought it would be cool. Yeah, just cuz. That's, Cause that's the mean, only, like, only real explanation you, you can get. <laughs> right, yeah. Cause, I mean, like, I'm, it makes sense that maybe their bodies just generate this electric field because of how much of, um, how much uh, nuclear power they're draining, but they seem to use it like intentionally. And in prehistoric times, there's nothing that can be affected by electromagnetism. Well, you forget Travis about time travelers and how they had to defend themselves against the time travelers. True. True. We're going (laughs) to see that in the sequel. We're going to see a bunch of time travelers go back to the prehistoric Godzilla times and we're going to see them hunting down. Isn't that a TV show? What what TV show is that? Um, <laughs> oh man, I feel like that's a bunch of TV shows. It's like well, it's prehistoric like, and like, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So anyway, that, that was just a thought that I had as I was watching. I was like, why do they have EMP? <laughs> they don't need EMP. So it's different if they're just <laughs> generically generating an EMP field, but the fact that they're, purposely like using it as a weapon it's like you why why anyway (laughs) (laughs) so now they so they figure out that the mutos are heading towards san francisco and the military goes back and forth blah 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 nuclear weapons we have to launch a missile that's our answer to everything these are americans we know that (laughs) Uh, (laughs) this is also the point where the uh, pocket watch gets brought back up and he's like, this right. is the pocket watch, and it's stuck on 8.15 a.m. Uh, August. Uh, I don't remember the exact date. But it's basically like, hey, this watch stopped when Hiroshima happened. Or here. Uh. Right. <laughs> he's butchering yeah. this whole sentence. Hiroshima <laughs> happened. And he's just like, hey, nukes are bad, dude. Nukes are real bad. 
Right, yeah, exactly. And the dude's still well, like, you, I'm still gonna nuke him. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, that's a thing that comes up a lot, um, I don't think this movie intentionally did it, but it does come up a lot in, when you're looking at some of the, uh, giant monster movies of Japan and the giant monster movies, or, or movies in general in America, you know, in America, uh, a spider gets radiation poisoning and gives superpowers <laughs> to a kid. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and then radiation is what caused the Hulk to become the Hulk and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, right. you know, Americans have this view of radiation of like, oh yeah, it's powerful. It can give us superpowers. But then you have the Japanese it's like, no, the <laughs> nuclear power is what created these monsters that are destroying our country. We need to right. stop them. And it's like, well, you know, that could probably be drawn back to we've never had a nuclear attack on our country as right. Americans and they have. And so their viewpoint on radiation is going to be different. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see how the Japanese feel about nukes and radiation and all that good stuff, just watch Akira and that'll perfectly yeah. illustrate for you how they feel. Exactly. About it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, it, it just really shows this contrast between the way Americans and, and not just Americans, but like even British and Australian and, you know, a lot of these uh, other countries view radiation in their movies and how they use it, you know, in their movies. And then you see just the Japanese and it's like, no, we've experienced the fallout from these nuclear bombs. We know we're not going to show you that they give you superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> The, yeah, I just, I just, that was just a side note that I thought was really interesting since you brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, no, yeah. definitely, definitely is interesting to see. And I, oh, man, I forget, um, kind of side divergent again. Um, <laughs> Levin's mentioned on HeyFam, uh, last week about reading a book about how the nuclear bomb affected Japan's culture. And I keep right. on forgetting to look up what that book was because it sounded super interesting. And I'm sure yeah. I, I'm, from what I remember, because I've had friends talk to me about Godzilla and stuff like that about before, and Godzilla, mm -hmm. the original movie, is kind of kind of about that too, isn't it? About like kind right. of the the evils or perils of uh, of nuclear um, use. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know the the first Godzilla movie came out in 1954, and the uh, bombs uh, on Hiroshima and Nagasaki were dropped in like 1945, I want to say. I think it's 45 yep. or 46. It, it was 45. 45. And so, you know, it was like less than 10 years after the actual nuclear bombs were dropped on those cities that this director decided to make a movie about a giant monster that uses radiation to destroy entire cities. So, yeah, you, right. it definitely, definitely is inspired by those um, nuclear attacks. And, uh, and and I feel like this movie early on was trying to tell us something about nuclear power in general and uh, maybe even give like a almost like a lesson to be learned from the uh, nuclear power plant stuff that happened in 2012 in Japan. Right. And so I'm wondering if that was a lot of what was intended for this movie, but it seems like they've kind of forgot that 
halfway through because it's Man. like oh yeah that's that's kind of what we're we're trying to do a uh an allegory for this thing and it's like no we're just going to do monsters <laughs> <laughs> right and i wonder if i wonder if originally brian cranston was supposed to be in the whole movie and maybe he would have tugged that thread along um I'm not really sure why, if if he was always supposed to just be in that first half hour of the movie, right? Or if it was because of other issues that that he died the way he did and when he did. Yeah, but I'm, he I'm he really definitely sure. could have been a character that carried that thread along throughout the movie. But yeah, like well, once he his, dies, it's kind of just dropped. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, I mean, his family was devastated by this nuclear plant, you know, having trouble and being, you know and and uh melting down and so when you look at the uh fukushima uh power plant in japan how it was caused by uh a, a tsunami it was an earthquake that caused uh, a tsunami. i think so earthquake yeah that caused a tsunami that hit the the power plant and so it's like yeah that i definitely think that if ryan cranston was going to be in this movie for the whole thing he, this movie would have been more of an allegory for the Fukushima disaster, but right. they killed him what off. Could like have been what could have been. Right, yeah. It's like once they killed him off, it's like, oh, we're gonna focus on something else. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. And it's kind of at at this point in the movie is when they're like they're gonna meet in San Francisco. They come up with this: we're gonna bait him with the nukes and then blow up the nukes, and hopefully they'll kill him. And they decide that they need to get uh, one of their nuclear devices from, I'm guessing, Nevada or that area, and bring it to San Francisco. Right. But instead of bringing it by, like, plane or something like that, they decide to bring it by train. What do you with trains? Right. And the fact that, that white bread was the only one that... that's Okay, <laughs> you know, calling the little Asian kid... <laughs> sorry, the little Hawaiian kid uh, short round was very racially insensitive. I wonder if people are going to get mad at us for calling... Um, <laughs> Aaron Taylor Johnson, <laughs> White Bread, this whole podcast. <laughs> I think it's okay because we're both white, but I don't, I don't know how it works. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Are you assuming my race? No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's... <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's, just like, well, the only way we're going to find out whether it offends people is if we keep doing it and we get emails. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Right. So yeah, uh, the Muto attacks the train that has the nuclear power. Okay, we have seen these monsters stomping around and how much devastation they cause just by walking by, and somehow this giant thing was like doing a sneak attack. <laughs> on them. Yeah. Like, they didn't realize it was there until it was right on top of them. Like, what is going on with this? Suddenly they mastered <laughs> stealth. Right. Later on in the mo movie, uh, Godzilla pulls out some stealth on the Muto too. Yeah. In that, like, final confrontation with it. And it's just like, how how can these things sneak around? They make, like, earth-shaking movements every time they take a step. Yeah. Well, I think that's just a trope in giant monster movies, too. Because, you know, you think about Jurassic Park and how every time the T-Rex comes around, you hear that, that boom, 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 and then... Then at the very end, when when they're fixing to be eaten by the Velociraptors, and suddenly the T Rex is just there, and it's like, wait, what happened? <laughs> there were no shaking cups of water. What we didn't know this was here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
They just need to keep water, cups of water on them at all times. Just wash them. Right, yeah. Like, sitting there and just seeing if it shakes. But they're riding in one of those, like, big Humvees, so it's already shaking. (laughs) I think it's chasing us! (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell. This thing is basically useless. Right, exactly. Whose idea was it to bring a cup of water? (laughs) (laughs) It spilled all over my uniform. Yeah, now, now I have a wet uniform all day. You know how uncomfortable that is? <laughs> you can't even imagine the chafing. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, so, yeah, so... so uh, the plane, or plane... The train crashes, and the dude falls from the bridge into the water below. It's like a good, like, 50 feet. And I'm, I was just thinking, like, the whole time, like, how did he survive that fall? Because, like... I mean, he does do, like, a diver's-type position, but it definitely seemed like something that would just, like, shatter all his bones as soon as he hit the water. Definitely. And, also, they've already shown that, like, there's debris and other things in that water that he could easily have smashed his head on (laughs) and, like, had a concussion and died. Right. (laughs) So I was like, yeah. Go ahead. He has a very special type of uh, military armor called plot armor, and it protects him from nearly everything. Oh, it's the same stuff that Tom Cruise uses. (laughs) Exactly. It's actually what Tom Cruise puts (laughs) on his hands whenever he does a stunt. Right, exactly. Okay, that makes (laughs) sense. (laughs) So so now, now the military is screwed, basically, because now instead of luring the monsters with a warhead, which, I mean, technically is what they did there... But it just didn't happen the way they wanted it to happen. <laughs> and so so now all the monsters are heading towards San Francisco. Uh, they're going to meet in San Francisco. So the military goes to San Francisco. That's also where uh, uh, White Bread's wife is. Because she's a nurse or doctor or <laughs> something uh, there at the hospital. Okay, I have to say, for all the crap that we give... Aaron Taylor Johnson for how he acted in this movie. I do like Elizabeth Olsen in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. She's definitely, definitely the better of the spouses. Yeah, definitely. I, I I really think that she's she's good. She gets. I think she's an underappreciated actress in general. Like everything I've seen her in, she is good. Even with the silly accent in Avengers, <laughs> she's so good. <laughs> She sells yeah. it. That is the thing. She sells that silly accent, and it's, like, it works. Right. For sure. And I think yeah. she definitely, you see more more commitment on her part whenever she goes into a scene, as compared yeah. to Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah. It, she just, like, he, she just emotes a lot more. Yeah, it's um, called having emotions. everything she's giving. Is what she's doing. Huh. She's actually having emotions. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like Aaron she's Taylor acting. Johnson. Yeah, it's almost like she's acting, whereas Taylor Johnson is just, Aaron Taylor Johnson is just sitting there with this blank face and just like, uh. <laughs> He's waiting for his programming to kick in. Right, exactly. Like, I, I need to learn how to respond to this social cue. <laughs> but so, it is at this point that the mom makes, not a, not a mistake, but it's really weird because she's like, oh, hey, they're evacuating the city. Instead of going with my kid, I'm going to wait here for his dad, and I'm going to give my kid to the school uh, the school bus full of kids so he'll get right. out of the city, rather than sticking with them and keeping the two of them together. Right. 
which actually turned out to be a good decision because when Godzilla started coming at that bridge, that bus driver was gone. He was like, I (laughs) am getting the freak out of here. (laughs) (laughs) That bus driver is insane. He is, he is, but hey, hey, I don't blame him, he's gonna, he sees a giant monster there, he ain't, he, like, the military says no, it's like, these people could shoot me if, if they wanted to, but I'm getting out of here. <laughs> so, and he's it, like, um, he's like, I don't, I don't agree with his methods, but gosh dang it, dang it, it gets stuff done. Right, yeah, so it's effective. He gets results. <laughs> it's effective, and all the kids survive. So, well, we, we think that's <laughs> right. right. We don't know what happens to them after the bridge, but they survived right. that scene anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we know that we know that the uh, white bread son survives, but everyone else, it's kind of up in the air what happens to them. Right? Yeah. It's like as they're getting off the bus, the like Godzilla just picks them off one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> in the the, the unrated guys. cut of the film. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh man. So yeah, so then the the Mutos finally get together. They um then the female Muto goes and decides to uh lay her eggs and build a nest and so that happens. <laughs> and oh yeah, that that's the, um, the Mutos get it on. Yeah. Well, do they or did she was she No, she already had an egg sack. We don't know well, when they do the this... actual act of monster mashing happened <laughs> well they do this scene where they like they they put their heads together and it's almost like oh it looks like this is like where it happens but she did have that like you said egg sac earlier maybe it's at that point when he transfers the radiation he has so- stored up into her for to lay the eggs but i don't know she lays yeah. the eggs either way <laughs> yeah right exactly well and you know the thing is when they started like nuzzling each other i was like oh they're just you know they're just like little animals that just want to procreate it's like there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> how dare these humans try to kill them <laughs> <laughs> and then it just like stomps on one of the humans and you're like oh yeah that's why well you don't know what that guy's backstory is he might have been a murderer <laughs> we don't know <laughs> Like they they have killed only killed bad people up to this point, so it's all right. Which thing. is why there's only like maybe five people that survive from San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and there I goes all to... of our San Francisco listeners. Right? Yeah, like, we don't. This is our first episode. We have to gain listeners before we can lose <laughs> listeners. <laughs> We're already in the negative. We have negative right, listeners. Yeah, I don't like, know how I it happens, but it did. But I'm going to unsubscribe from them right away. <laughs> So then, uh, and, and yeah, that's when, uh, that's when that second time that the Godzilla fight really, that one just kind of bothered me more than the first one. Cause you see Godzilla right. coming up and you see the big roar and the doors just close as he's, you know, fixing to attack the Muto. Right. And it's like, yeah, no, no, this time you could have shown us a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, it does that thing where it's like, and the doors are closing. Oh, and that's all we get to see of him. Right, exactly. So we don't really know what happens between the time that they close those doors to that bunker to the time that White Bread and his other friends are jumping out of the plane and doing the halo jump. (laughs) It seems like they just punch for a bit, but we never get to see the punches. 
Right, yeah. It's like, what are they? They're just like sitting down and taking a break and just like, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to chill here until the humans come back into play and then we're going to start doing our thing again. <laughs> yeah, Godzilla's like, I had to chase you across the entire Pacific Ocean. I just need to chill out for like one second, man. Just, just give me this. So they do this awesome Halo job, which is really cool. A really cool scene, like, especially, like, cutting the actual, like, falling to them, like, what they hear in their mask. Right. I definitely think that is a really cool scene. Uh, and especially as they come down, they start seeing, like, Godzilla and, like, all of these other things below them. They're like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and I think it it's, like, a scene that's, like, also justified because they're, like, Oh, it has this area where there's this EMP around it. So we have to fly you guys super high up so you won't get hit by the EMP. And then you guys can drop down into it. So it's like a scene that both makes sense and also is visually like super awesome. Especially like once they break that like first stratosphere level and you mm -hmm. see them like um, like in between the two uh, like blankets of, t of clouds. And uh, yeah, it's just really cool. The score's really good in that scene too. Like... Um, mm -hmm. Before they cut to like what they sound like inside the mask, the right. uh, the score itself is just like really intense and it's like, oh man, this is really cool. I'm getting really amped up. Yeah. Um, and then even once they do, they break through and uh, they're they're falling next to Godzilla and the Mutos fighting. Mm -hmm. um, all of that stuff really works well. Right before mm -hmm. the scene, though, it's super funny because the guy who's like, hey, we're gonna do this Halo jump. Um, if, uh, if you don't hit a skyscraper, meet up with us here. And it's like, right. way to inspire confidence. Right, yeah. It's like, yeah, you're definitely going to die on the way down. But just in case you don't, we're going <laughs> to go meet at the shawarma place. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, so I think now, I think we've been talking a little too long because <laughs> we keep getting diverted. So I'm just going to focus right. on what happens with Godzilla and the Mutos because that's really all we care about. Who cares about the military guys? Who cares about the humans? <laughs> right. We're here for Godzilla. So I'm going to focus on that. So the, the next thing that happens with them is uh, the nest gets destroyed by white bread. That makes the, uh, <laughs> the, the mama uh, Muto really angry. She starts attacking, Godzilla fights back, and they have this really big fight, but then the male gets involved and starts hurting Godzilla, and Godzilla is is really overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. It's it's um the, at first the scene starts off and he's fighting the larger Muto, and it's like really cool because he like unleashes his atomic breath and it looks good, and then once that second one comes in he starts getting like the crap beaten out of him. It's right. a little like it's a little pathetic, and you're like, "Ooh, this is this is a little rough." Right. Oh, that okay. That scene, I gotta tell you, because I went to the movies like five times to see this movie, um, <laughs> and uh, that's the first time I saw it. I saw it at midnight. It was a midnight showing, and mm -hmm. the. The scene where it, he like Godzilla is completely shrouded by like all the dirt and debris and mist and everything uh, in the air. So you don't see him. All you see is the scales start lighting up through the fog. Yeah. And when that happens, everybody started going like, oh, 
no. Oh, oh man. Oh, what? What? Oh, yeah, like in the theater. And then when he actually unleashed the atomic breath, it people like were clapping and cheering and like everything in the theater. I was like, yes. And I was one of them. And I was like, yes. Cause I mean, in 1998, when Godzilla, when the, when the, uh, Roland Emmerich Godzilla movie came out, he never had fire breath. He never had, well, it's, it's atomic breath, whatever, but he never had that <laughs> breath. And so that's like, what, you know, you're going to have, he doesn't look like Godzilla. He doesn't act like Godzilla. This has nothing to do with Godzilla, and he doesn't shoot fire breath. It's like you—you have completely destroyed this character. So all I was <laughs> hoping for in this movie was that he would breathe atomic breath, and he did. And when he did that, I was just like, <laughs> "Yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah." It's definitely the like crowd pleaser moment because it's just that moment where you're just like, "Yes, everyone, everyone is just like, this is so cool. This is the." The height of cool that this movie reaches is yeah. when he unleashes that. Right. Yes. And uh, and so he eventually kills the male Muto uh, by swiping it with his tail into a building, <laughs> which is yep. another scene that's just like, yes, this is so awesome. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, no, it's going to get the the um, can't think of the word now. It's going to basically catch him off guard. And so he's just drop on him. like, nope, not happening this time. And swats right. him right into the building. The yeah. building falls on top of him, which is even cooler. Yeah, that is, that is really cool. And then, so, humans doing a bunch of human things, whatever. Then we get the scene <laughs> where the female Muto is coming after the humans who are doing their human thing. And she's going to attack white bread on a boat. And she gets bitten in the head, or in the neck by Godzilla and he just pulls her back and then just shoots this atomic breath straight down her throat, blows her head off. Again, they were just trying to procreate. They didn't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> well, she actually, she really wanted to hurt the humans because they killed her babies. So, but, uh, but yeah, but still I was like, I'm kind of conflicted. Like, Oh, that's a horrible way to go, but Oh, it looks so awesome. <laughs> well, maybe it's because of the fact that she's a parasite that it's okay. It's okay that Godzilla kills her because she's a parasite. They call her a parasite, uh, but she really isn't a parasite. They don't do anything parasitic in this movie <laughs> at all. That's another thing. What is the biology of these creatures? They're not parasites. The only thing they're doing is feeding on nuclear energy. That's not being parasitic. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, uh, I, I definitely have conflicted feelings about that scene, but it's still awesome. <laughs> right. And then Godzilla yeah. takes a nap. Yep. <laughs> and he like, Godzilla passes out at the same time that Sergeant Whitebread passes out. Right. He's just like, oh, oh, okay. And they both kind of like, Whitebread reunites with his family and it's like, oh, it's a happy, re uh, whatever, reunion. And everyone's like, yay, yay, yay. And, um, and you see like some of the relief effort that's going on. I did like that. I did like how they showed like, oh, San Francisco wasn't immediately okay. Like they had to bring in right. all this relief. Yeah. And, exactly. uh, can, and Ken uh, Wat Watanabe. I keep on. Watanabe. Uh, his character is like in the middle of it and he's looking on Godzilla and he's like, oh man, it's a real bummer that he died. And then Godzilla's just like, nope, <laughs> I'm still alive. I just, yeah. just taking a nap. 
and he I'm goes back, back into the ocean and everyone's cheering. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he like, uh, uh, he's like, uh, James Brown. Whenever James Brown did that, it's like, wow, I'm back. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think I really peaked my microphone with that. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's pretty much the end of the movie. We had, you know, we had fun. It was good. Godzilla walks away in the sunlight or in the sunset or whatever, and uh, and we're ready for the sequel. Uh huh. Kong Skull Island. Yeah. Kong. Well. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's technically a prequel. Yeah, because it's set in like the seventies. So this right. Kong takes place before all of this. <laughs> right. And it's um, I have seen Kong Skull Island and kind of the main. The main thread between the two is that uh, the company that Ken uh, wants Watanabe <laughs> Watanabe works for is called Monarch, and that's the company that goes to Skull Island in in that movie. So that's that's the main thread is that that Monarch Corporation, which I, is that a thing in the older movies, or is it just something they created? It's for this? something they created for this, um, and there there are like uh, organizations that in the uh, Godzilla movies are like are meant to hunt down giant monsters. Uh, I think G Force is one of those um, in some of the movies, uh, but they're not. They're not never called Monarch. This is this is something new. Uh, so yeah, is there any other thoughts you have on Godzilla twenty fourteen? I think overall it's a pretty good movie. There's definitely. And I think um, we'll see this with the Kong when we discuss it eventually. There's issues with the scripting and that side of it. But from a visual standpoint, it's amazing. It's great. I, I definitely recommend it um, for it. I think I think pretty much anybody could probably get into this and enjoy it. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes score for this is uh 74% from the critics and 66% from the audience and that uh, I did wow. not ex- yeah I did not expect the critics score to be higher than the audience score yeah that's su- super surprising because I think um in the years since this movie has come out I think it's been fairly positive whenever it gets mentioned by uh, yeah by like podcasts and stuff like that so I'm super surprised that it was 66% is that just like the hardcore kaiju fans coming in and being like, this isn't the movie we wanted type of thing? Or do you think yeah. that's what's ha- what happened with it? No, actually, um, I mean, there are a few of those, but for for the most part, the reviews I got, even the negative ones were still like, yeah, it's a flawed movie because of A, B, and C, you know, kind of the stuff that we just talked about. Um, but, right. you know, and that that's pretty much it. That's pretty much the biggest argument of of this is that it's, you know, got its flaws and the plot kind of just is all over the place and uh, and the central character being white bread and being so boring, uh, <laughs> like white bread. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, and so, yeah, I, I'm definitely I was definitely interested in hearing your thoughts on it, because as a Godzilla fan, I knew I was probably going to love it either way. Because, <laughs> well, when I saw what Godzilla looked like, I was like, they got him right. He looks like Godzilla. That's all that I care about. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. Was, 
I, I really wanted to know, kind of like from an outsider point of view, what you thought of this movie. Yeah, I, I liked it for sure. I um, I think I remembered it a little bit more favorably than my theater experience three years ago. I think mm. it, coming back to this film, I remembered there be, being more fight scenes when there's really, really only that one at the end. But I think overall, it's still it's still a good watch. I definitely recommend checking it out, especially since there's going to be a sequel to it and they're making this big, big Godzilla universe. Um, right between Godzilla and King Kong and all those things. So I definitely, I definitely check it out for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and of course it's a thumbs up for me. Go watch it because (laughs) especially if you are a giant monster fan, if you're the type of person that's going to get really angry about them focusing on the humans more than the monsters, you know, this is not going to be fun or as fun for you because, uh, you know, that's, that's what happened in the movie. But if you're right. like me and you can ignore those parts and just enjoy the ride for what it is, and you're just happy that we finally have a good representation of Godzilla in the United States, I, I, like that is so hard for Hollywood to nail down for some reason, even though like Japan has been doing it for 60 years. <laughs> so the fact that they were able to do a decent Godzilla movie. It is a yes for me. I saw it five times in theaters because <laughs> I enjoyed it that much. I, I just love Godzilla that much. It's it's not even as much as like I really enjoyed this movie because this is not my favorite Godzilla movie by far. But right. it's just that it was a decent Godzilla movie in 2014. There had not been a Godzilla movie since 2004, I think. Yeah, 2004 was the last Godzilla movie that came out from Toho, from Japan. And so to have, to have a Godzilla movie that was released in theaters, available for me to watch in theaters, and just see the, the big G, the big guy, just destroying <laughs> things and blasting blue fire at everything. It was just like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. <laughs> And I'm yeah. pretty and sure I, that most of our audience has probably already seen the movie, but, you know, just in case there are a few that, like, I haven't watched it, you know, if you have some people like you who are not big into giant monster movies and haven't watched it, I, you know, we tell them to give it a chance. Right. And I think, I think it, even from that perspective of someone who's not super into the, the kaiju movies, I think um, it's still worth it to check out. And I think because of how good it is, is what makes me excited to uh, dive into those older ones and to kind of yeah. see see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> yeah, we some of those older Godzilla movies are definitely better than this. Um, then there are some that. <laughs> Do you want to kind of talk about what we're going to be covering on the next episode? Yes. So uh, what we're planning on doing is we're recording the first three or four movies or movies uh the first three or four episodes uh, ahead of time and we're going to release them all at once so that people can just just kind of get a get a decent feel for what the podcast is going to be uh and for us right. to get a chance to kind of you know get used to doing this uh and so uh we already have the first four planned out which uh we're going to do the next one is not exactly a kaiju movie, but it still falls under <laughs> that that category of 
uh, tokus, uh, tokusatsu. Right. Uh, which we're is, already yeah. breaking the rules. Yeah, we're already, episode two, we're already breaking the rules. They're my rules. I can break <laughs> them if I want. Um, but, well, I mean, there's giant monsters in it, but it's more of a, uh, it's more of a Sentai type thing, which is the Japanese Spider-Man series, also known as Subaraman. I am so looking forward to this. And even if you don't like the movies that we talk about, maybe you'll enjoy hearing us banter about it because we're going to banter for a long time <laughs> about these movies. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and if you uh, don't like us, please don't let us know because it'll hurt our feelings. <laughs> exactly. It'll break our egos. Yes. Yes. If you want to give us five stars, we will allow it. But I am a very fragile person. And I cannot emotionally <laughs> handle anything less than five stars. So, <laughs> which is which is kind of weird to be talking about on our first episode. Yeah, rate us five stars with just one episode. <laughs> hey guys, let's be real for a second. We know we're good. You know yeah. we're good. Rate us five stars. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, is there any uh, social media uh, things that you want to put out there or anything like that? Uh, yes, you can find me on Twitter at CaptainTravis55. Um, I don't tweet very much, and I'm usually tweeting Godzilla GIFs. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're okay with that, then come follow me. I'll, 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 you can follow me on Twitter. For me, I'm also on Twitter. I'm... <laughs> Please bear in mind that I made this username a very long time ago. I'm <laughs> at Jake the Nerd Man. Uh, I'm so sorry for that terrible username, but uh, I'm on Twitter. I don't tweet that much. Usually uh, what I do tweet is mostly comic book related. Um, but I also have an Instagram, at uh, Jake Makes Comics, um, where you can see some of my doodles and some comics I've written in the past. And... Travis might not recommend it, but I will recommend a comic that Travis wrote. Uh, it's on Comixology. It's the first issue, and it's called Grey Coyote. I definitely check it out. Uh, I really enjoy it, and I'm not just saying that because I'm currently on a call with Travis. I do legitimately <laughs> enjoy it, especially if you're looking for a western without like a without a magic angle or anything like that. You just want straight up western. This is the book for you. Uh, it's really good. I really enjoyed it, and uh, is. It's only one issue out right now on Comixology, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm still working on um, issue two and three and four. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, a that first issue, issue mini series, so you know, I'm gonna, um, I'm still working on the other three. But the first issue is out on Comixology right now. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's worth it's worth getting. Definitely check it out. All right, and oh, and I forgot, I created a special email for anybody who wants to email us ideas for the show. It is uh, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. Uh, surprisingly, that was not taken already. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if you just want to email us at kaijuweekly at gmail.com, let us know your thoughts on the show and what movies you want us to watch, because we have a big list, but we can always add more. Um, and no, Princess Bride does not count as a giant monster movie just because it, oh, <laughs> it has Andre <laughs> the Giant in it. <laughs> he is technically bigger. Than what most people would consider a normal-sized human. True. Just bear that in mind. 
True. <laughs> maybe if, maybe eventually. Uh-huh. I can still hold out hope. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll get around <laughs> to it. <laughs> when we run out of ideas for episodes, we will get around to Princess Bride. <laughs> so, and the many other movies that Andre the Giant did that I cannot think of right now. <laughs> It'll be Andre the Giant month. We're just rambling now, so we're going to say goodbye and come back and check us out next week. See you guys next week.